Wonderful. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Philippians, please. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at a section of Scripture here in the book of Philippians that will take in the last or the rest of this chapter. Really exciting stuff in here. Um, more than I'm going to preach this morning, I know that. Uh, but I will get at least halfway done my message. How's that? Amen. And uh, I'm sure it will be a help to you. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10. We'll start there. It says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, <clears throat> not as though I'd already attained or were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, you would just guide and direct in this message this morning. I need your power on my life, Lord. I need your help. I pray, Lord, you would just bring clarity to my mind and then that your spirit would bring clarity to each heart that's attending here this morning and those in live streaming as well. We just pray your blessing as we hear the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, <clears throat> we've just spent time looking at how Paul evaluated his life and he realized that all that counted was Christ. Uh, we saw that in the first part of the chapter, he started to look at everything that he was, where he came from, his family line, the tribe. He looked at his religion. He looked at the very heart, his zealousness in following that which he thought was right. And when he, when he evaluated, he just said, you know what? It's all dung. Uh, it's worthless. It's worth nothing. And he said, but what I do want is I want to win Jesus Christ. He knew that all that counted was Jesus Christ, amen? And there's some things today I think that's going to be a blessing to you as we talk about this. Um, he realized that in comparison to having Christ, that everything he ever thought was valuable was really only worth dung or garbage. And think about that. I know many times when we're saved... And we get saved, we look at our life and our, our value, we really find in who we've always been. And we say, this is where I came from, this is what I've accomplished, this is what I am. And we place a lot of value in that. But the Apostle Paul got to the place in his Christian life where he saw all of that and he says, really, it's worth nothing. And he saw his complete value in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe a Christian that finds that place is a blessed Christian. I think that's where you'll find yourself moving forward and becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He also concluded that being saved, the key to moving forward, was to know the excellent knowledge of Jesus Christ. He knew that if he was going to become anything for God, or if God was going to do anything through his life, it was going to be completely dependent upon how much he gave himself to know him and to know the power of the resurrection 
and also to associate or partner with the sufferings that Jesus Christ experienced when he was on earth. He knew that that suffering was a, it, it, was, it was necessary for him to grow. Amen. We know in John 12, it says, lest the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die and abide alone, it, it shall not bring forth fruit. It will bring forth fruit when it actually dies. Uh, you can't bear forth fruit until you know what it is to die. Amen. And that's what we need to understand today within this message as well. Um, this message is going to examine the forward movement that Paul knew had to be at the forefront of his life. And I think that we have to as well make a decision that I want to move forward for God. And moving forward isn't finding something to do, okay? We put a lot of value as believers in what we do. If I'm, I'm going to do this with my life and I'm going to do that. But folks, it's far more important what you are. What you are. This chapter isn't about what he did or what he's going to do. This is about who he is going to become. And that's what we need to get straight in our lives today. Who are we going to become like? What are you going to be? It's not about what you're going to do. And I, I found this even in Bible college. I remember many times I would talk to preachers and I had to go through this battle. Young preacher boys and they were just, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, <laughs> you know, I look back after 20-some years of preaching and I realize I never knew what God was going to do through me until I actually did it. But all I know is the most important things that God has done is make me to be what I am. In the twenty, That's the conclusion I've come to. What I do isn't the most important thing. What I am is so vital, so vital. And all the things I've gone through, the trouble and the trials and the sadness and the happiness and the victories and the defeats and all these different things, they contribute to one thing, and that is to changing this person to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. That, my friend, is the high calling of God. That is the mark that is what God wants us to do and to focus on. So first thing I want to look at is the effort, the effort. In Philippians 3, verse 14, which I think is really our key verse when we look at the forward movement of the believer, it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So these words that he's using in this passage is, the first phrase we see here is press toward. I press toward. The word press means to pursue. That means it's a part of the pursuit of my life. Now, if we were to ask ourselves honestly today, what is the thing that I am pursuing? Now, you may say, well, I'm not pursuing anything. Well, then you're still wrong. <laughs> Amen. You got to pursue something. And if you're going to pursue something, it better be the right thing. But the Bible tells us that there is something that every believer ought to be pressing toward. And that's talking about the mark the mark, and we'll look at that as well. But the effort to, to pursue. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. That word obtain is a very important word because it's been used 
in the, uh, the, it's been translated different ways, but in this passage, you'll see it translated in other ways. It's talking about apprehending. That's obtaining. So in this passage, he's saying, I'm running a race, and I'm going to run like I'm going to obtain, like I'm going to get it. Amen. Now, folks, that's the thing. We live in a defeated world. Sometimes even in our Christian world, we're kind of hanging on by the end of the rope and we're saying, well, you know, so I'm just going to do my best to survive as we hang there on the end of a rope. That is not what God wants you to do. He wants you to make an effort and make a decision in your life to press toward, to obtain what it is that God wants you to obtain. Amen. That is the decision we need to make this morning that we are going to press toward the mark. Uh, it's also the effort in persecution. It's interesting because the same word press also means to persecute, to persecute. Now we know that Paul is not saying, I'm going to persecute the mark, amen, but the effort. Now think about this. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse number 4, you have the Apostle Paul and his testimony how that he got saved. And this is what the Lord did when he found him. He said, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In other words, where the Lord found the apostle Paul, or before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he found him in his lost state, in his religious state, in his zealous state, in his Israelite state, he found him there. What he was doing was persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. He was giving all of his effort, all of his time, to going against Jesus. And he did that by putting God's people, Christians, in prison, and even having a part of taking their life. Amen? So Jesus meets him and says, Paul, why persecutest thou me? Now, Paul knows this is God's voice here. And it dawns on him in this second that he has just spent his whole life fighting the God that he said that he serves. Because he didn't want to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, to the extent that the Apostle Paul persecuted Christ before his salvation, he began pursuing Christ after his salvation. Same word, same effort. Think about that. He gave everything. He was on his way making a journey to another city just so he could persecute and throw into prison more believers. And the Lord caught him on that road, on the road to Damascus. Amen? If you think about this, he's going... I'm going to get these guys. I'm going to get that Jesus. The Lord meets them. <laughs> I'm going to love that Jesus. I'm going to pursue that. See, folks, in the same effort you gave to the things of this world, you ought to be giving yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we got saved, I'll tell you something. There are so many things that we would give our time and energy to. We would spend five years, six years in school so we could make money. We would go here, there, or whatever. There'd be no sacrifice we would not make. But after we get saved, are we truly pursuing him? Are we taking that same effort that we gave towards ourselves and the world and the flesh and the material things that we all wanted? And are we putting that effort back to him? That, my friend, is what it means to press toward the mark. 
We're not talking about lollygagging toward the mark. We're not talking about having a casual stroll and maybe we'll trip across the mark. Amen. We're talking about getting a focus on the mark and putting our energy and our strength into obtaining and grabbing forth that which God put before us. Amen. We need to put an effort into this thing. And we're not going to get it unless we put an effort towards it. I'm not talking about salvation here. Salvation is a free gift. What I'm talking about is the things that God wants you to do and become because you have become something, you will do what that person was designed to do. Amen? I'll tell you, it's so important. There's another phrase here we see, follow after. Notice what he says, but I follow after. It says in verse number 12, I'm not apprehended, but I follow after. That's present tense. Active voice, meaning this is a continuous action. There's never a time in the Apostle Paul's life where he was not following after the mark, following after his pursuit, following after what God wanted him to become. Folks, we cannot be Sunday morning Christians only. We've got to be 24-7. We've got to be every day of our lives, every minute of our life. We've got to make it wake up in the morning with Jesus on our heart. We've got to go to bed with Jesus in our heart. We've got to sleep with Jesus protecting our minds. We've got to follow after him. We've got to love him. We've got to teach our children about him. We've got to get our family to the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we have to follow after. Amen. You know, there's certain things we will do if we're following after something. If you're following something, you're going to do something. (laughs) But have you made the decision to follow after? When's the last time you spent some time in this book looking for the things of God? Looking for a principle that would guide my life, something that would help me make the decisions that I need to make in my life today. Amen? Amen. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. The Bible says, I'd give it to all men liberally. Well, how does he give you that wisdom? Well, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to stand here. He's going to hit me on top of the head. (laughs) No, this is what you do. You take this book. You say, Lord, (laughs) in my own flesh, I can't make sense of this for my life. Could you please give me wisdom? Because you know I've got some decisions to make. Could you please give me some principles to guide me by? I'm making some very life-changing decisions and I need some principles that'll keep me on the straight and narrow and keep me from going off to the, on the, into the ditch. And as you seek the Lord and follow after, he will tell you things that will keep you going forward in the light. Amen? That's what walking in the light's all about is walking in the principles of this word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Follow after. The next word I see here is the word apprehend. Verse number 12, it says again, it says, but I follow after if that I may apprehend. Now, I hope you don't know the negative part of this ver- this word. Amen. Have you been apprehended? <laughs> Amen. You know, we, in our context today, we hear this all the time. We're on our way to apprehend the the suspect. Apprehend. What are the police going to do? If they're going to apprehend somebody, what are they going to do? Are they going to see that person and say, oh, we just wanted to talk to you a little bit? Or are they going there, going to jump on that guy, 
throw them face first on the ground, grab their arms, put them behind the back, put the cuffs on them, and then they, you, will, you know what they'll do? they go to the radio and say, suspect apprehended. Apprehended. When they know that that man ain't moving, <laughs> they know the cuffs are on, that suspect is now apprehended. Paul says, I follow after, it's like a chase, and I follow after to apprehend. To apprehend. That means to lay hold of, to seize with eagerness and suddenness. Amen? <laughs> That's what happens sometimes. Police officers chasing after the suspect and they're running and also the police officer catches up and dives on that with great suddenness. When he thought he was going to get over that fence and he was almost there, kaboom, he hits the ground. Amen? With great eagerness, with great suddenness to take a hold of intensely. Suspect apprehended. See, that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to apprehend. Paul says, I follow after because I'm apprehending this. I'm going to put the cuffs on it. I'm going to arrest this thing. I'm going to make sure it's within my possession. Is that our heart today? It's also translated take in the Bible. In John 8, verse 3, it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst. Taken. So what happened is this lady committed adultery, and these Pharisees, they went and took her and apprehended her because of what she had done. That's the same word. It's also translated obtain. Now we read you the verse in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. With great suddenness, dive and seize upon that finish line. Amen. That's one thing a runner never did was just stumble across the finish line and didn't know it was there. <laughs> they just, oh, did I finish this thing? Any runner, they knew exactly what they were doing. They had given their heart to it. They were pushing. I don't know if you've seen any of these uh, finishes that some of these runners have, and they, they, they fall down, and they're just clawing towards the finish line. They cannot lift their leg, their foot, one more time. And they're like 10 feet away, and they fall on their face, and they just some of them roll. <laughs> they're just rolling to get there. I just want to hit that finish line. Oh, that God's people would have that kind of heart for the things of God, that we would just fall, and we're tired like, the, like the, the, the Old Testament soldiers. They were faint, but they pursued. They didn't give up. Oh, preacher, I'm just tired and I need rest. You just keep on going because you've got a little vapor of time to accomplish what the Lord wants you to accomplish. Amen. Yeah. Don't let yourself quit. Be not weary in well-doing because the Bible says that if you faint, you won't get that prize. You won't get the prize. Don't quit. It's an awesome thing to hear a Christian. Well, I'm just giving up. You know that statement? That's a life statement. That's a purpose statement. That statement, you are redirecting your life forever. Don't do it. Be not wearying in well-doing. 
Oh, I'll tell you something. You want to do well for people, you're going to get slapped upside the head so many times, then you'll know what to do with. And you'll say, what's, the wor- what's it worth anyways? I mean, what really? Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. The Lord just says, be not weary in well-doing. For thou shalt reap if you faint not. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going I'm to obtain. I'm going to apprehend. Amen. That's got to be your heart. This has got to be your effort. This has got to be your driving desire that you will not quit before the time. Sometimes when I start a ministry, I remember I started working with the, um, the radio ministry. My pastor had a, uh, a recording or he went to the radio station, actually, and he, he would go there and he would do some programs and then he would come home. It would take a lot of time. He'd have to drive like 45 minutes to get there and so forth. So we devised a way with technology for, to put these programs together where he didn't even have to do them anywhere. We just took them out of his sermons, packaged them together with an announcer and so forth and sent them straight to the radio station. And when I started that, now I knew that perhaps the Lord would probably pass it on to someone else and today someone else is doing it but I did that faithfully for over a decade and one of the things I said I didn't say well I'll do this for five years or in fact I started before I started pastoring my first ministry by the time I was done my first ministry I was still doing it and I did it through online and I did it way over there uh, yet it wasn't even my ministry because in my heart, I made a decision. This is how I put things and say, I'm just going to do this until Jesus comes. Amen. Think about that statement. When you do something, you go to church and you say, well, I'm going to go to church. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. If you've got a line drawn and you've got something where you're saying, hey, if, if this isn't met quite exactly and, and if they don't do this for me, well, then I'm going to quit. You might as well just stay home because you will quit. You've got to make the decision. I'm going to do this till Jesus comes. Because wherever you draw that line, that's where the devil's going to meet you. And he will fulfill your requirement. He will fulfill that thing that you said, if they do this, then I quit. You know what he's going to do? He's going to set it up that they will do that. Because he wants you to quit. Do you understand that? Oh, God, help believers that have a line drawn in the sand. God, help a believer that has a two-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year limit. You ought to just say, I'm going to do this till Jesus comes. I'm going to be faithful to God till Jesus comes. I'm going to teach my children till Jesus comes. And come, uh, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to continue on. That's the kind of effort we need to put into our Christianity today. Do I have an agreement on this? Is there an amen somewhere in this crowd? Come on, man. Because, I mean, this is my heart here. This isn't just, you know, reading a Bible verse. This is something that God has spoken to my heart about. I've been doing this all my life. And the reason why you've got a church today, because I said that. I said that. And when it was hard and I was too old and 50 years old and coming to a place where I don't know anybody to start a new church, you know, I just said, I'm going to do this till Jesus comes. So you say, well, what if nobody comes? I'll still do it until Jesus comes. Amen. You can ask my family. I says, kids, if it's just you and us, just you kids sitting down there and dad's preaching, I'm just going to keep preaching until Jesus comes. We're just going to keep doing this. There is no line I drew. 
There was no, well, we'll see how it works. If it doesn't work, we'll maybe try somewhere else. That was never a part of my thought, not once. God called me here. This is where I'm going to stay. Unless the Lord changes my direction, (laughs) I will be buried here. Lord, help me. Amen. Folks, we need to obtain. We need to apprehend. We need to have an effort in this thing. We need to press toward the mark. So that's the effort. The effort. You know, there's two stories. One story is your story. That story started when you were born and you grew up, you went to school, you did this, this happened to you, this is what you like, this is what I'm going to do, this is my purpose. But then there's another story. There's a story that Jesus wrote about your life. And that life, he says, you know, this is the story I want you in. Now, you've got a choice. You can, you can keep following your story, and you can keep writing your chapters, and you can get right to your final chapter, and it'll be done, and it'll be over, and so forth. But I'll tell you something. There's got to come a time where you take the book that you've been writing and close it. And say, you know what? Lord, just can I enter into your story? Can you just put me somewhere in there? See, you've got to die first. But the problem is many of us as Christians, we're trying to write two books. When all reality is just one book. It's still our story. We need to get past our story. We need to say, you know what, I'm going to close the book on what I've been writing here. That's what the Apostle Paul did at the beginning of this chapter. He says, this is all the things I've done, I am. I'm closing the book on that, closing the cover on that one. Now I know that all that matters is what Christ is going to do in my life. And he put that totally within the hands of God. He says, Lord, you just write your book. Whatever part you want me to play, whatever it is you want me to do, uh, that's what I want to do. Amen. Sometimes we take our same determination that we have in our first book and we think that God wants it in our second. He doesn't want that kind of stuff. He doesn't want you to be in control. He doesn't want you to be this take charge kind of guy that's going to do what you want to do. He has no place for that. But he wants a man that will yield. He wants a, a lady that will yield themselves. And just simply come with empty hands and say, Lord, I've got nothing to offer, but you take me and you write me up the way you want me to be and I will be a part of that story from this day forward. Amen. That's what Paul wanted. He wanted to be a part of that, but you first have to die. You've got to close the book on your old life. Amen. Verse 8, he said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. The effort. Number two, we've got to look at the goal. Notice what he says, I press toward the mark. The word mark means to look about, or it's the mark or the goal, the mark at the end of the race. And so you're focusing on this finish line. There's something that you want to accomplish and that thing is what you're pressing towards and you will apprehend, amen? Now there's two things that I found in this passage that I think 
is what the Apostle Paul is referring to. The first one is the resurrection of the dead. Say, what? <laughs> How can I grab hold of the resurrection of the dead? Notice what he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now we know that if you are a born again believer here today, that you will have a part of one of the most incredible historic things that has ever happened to this world. There is going to be a resurrection day. And if you're born again, you will be called up out of the grave and you will be resurrected with a new glorious body. That, my friend, is a one-time event. Amen. You want to make sure you're saved so you don't miss that. Amen. That is the resurrection of the dead. But I want to ask you this. The resurrection, what is it? I'm going to tell you this. The resurrection is Christ. It is Christ. See, he's the one that died, was buried, and rose again. He was the one. You know that nobody else had ever done that? <laughs> you know, no matter how much you could have tried, no matter how good of a person you were, there would be no way that you could actually break through the, the very portals of death into life. There's no way you could have found a pathway out of the grave. There would have been death and more death and continual death and eternal death forever and ever. But Jesus, he went to the grave. Three days later, miracle of all miracles, this son of God broke through. He came back up. He defeated it. Death could not hold him. He was too holy. He was too right. He was too God. Amen. Death couldn't get a hold. And even though death tried to claw at him, I'm not letting you go. He says, oh, yes, you are. Because I am the son of God. And I have all power. I have death over man, over heaven. And I have power over death. When you rise one day on the day of resurrection, you know what that is? That's Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what's going to happen to your body? Is it just going to kind of morph into something? <laughs> you don't know what it is? No, no, no. Your body, the Bible says, is going to be transformed. It says right here, who shall change, in verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So you know that even the resurrection from the grave is actually Christ. It's all about him. It's not about you. You didn't do anything to get that. <laughs> you can't control what you become. You can't control what you're going to be. What you're going to be is what Christ determined for you to be because he's the one that defeated death. So when you rise from the grave, you will be fashioned like unto Christ. That's what the resurrection of the dead is. Now that's the physical resurrection, 
But the Apostle Paul, he's not just talking about a physical resurrection because there's no reason that he had to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Because <laughs> he already attained when he got saved. When he received Christ as his Savior, he guaranteed that when, when the resurrection day happened, he was going to be re resurrected. So what he's talking about is something else. He's talking about a change of the soul. He's talking about a perfecting of what is dead and corrupt and ungodly and useless and garbage and filthy. Something that has no life in it and how that through Christ, the life of Christ fills it and he becomes more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So the goal, the goal, of course, I want to rise from the grave. And that's going to happen. So I don't really need to set that as a goal. That is just going to happen. But the goal in my life is for this. That Christ's life resurrects in my soul. That's the mark. That's the goal. You see, going to church isn't just simply about, I'm going to go there and do some stuff. I'll go help out. I've had people that attitude, you know, I'm just here to help out. <laughs> well, all you're here is to help out, you might as well go away. I know I worked for my dad for many years. You get these employees that thought they were so good. They just, well, you know, you hired me. I'm just here to help. <laughs> You need me so much, I'm, I'm here to make everything better for you. You're going to help. <laughs> no. If you're working here, you're going to do what my dad says. That's more than help. You're going to surrender your will to the boss. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I tell you, I've met a lot of those help guys in my experience. <laughs> Even people come to church, well, I'm just here, you know, just want to be a help to you. No, you come to church, you follow Christ with all of your heart. And if you don't want to do that, you'll be no help. You'll be no help. You see, the resurrection of the dead is the one goal. The Bible says in Galatians 2, verse, 2, 2, verse 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what he's saying is, the life that I used to live is now in the grave. I am crucified, all right? But yet I'm living. Well, then how can I live if I'm crucified? Well, the reason I'm living is, is I have a new life in me. And that new life is expressing itself as I submit myself in the flesh to follow the faith of the Son of God. And as I follow the Scripture, and as I follow what the Word of God says, His life is resurrected in my soul. That's what it's about. See, folks, if you're digging your heels in on God, you are not desiring to attain the resurrection of the dead. You're happy just being dead. Your verse would just be, I'm crucified with Christ. 
Period. I'm just happy to be saved. I'm just happy to know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. That's all I ever wanted. I am crucified with Christ. Period. No. Nevertheless, I live. I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Do you understand that? See, what Paul was saying when he's saying attaining the resurrection of the dead, he says, I want the life of Christ to live and flow through me. That's my desire. That's what I want to hold on to. That's what I want to attain. That's what I want to arrest, apprehend, put the cuffs on, carry it with me. That's what I want. A Christian's just happy about being saved. You don't want that. You don't want it. No, no. There has to be a pursuing. There has to be a pressing. We're not talking about salvation. After verse 8... We're no longer talking about salvation. Now we're talking about pressing. Now we're talking about the prize. Now we're talking about attaining. We're talking about becoming something that God wants us to be. That becomes the heart of the believer. This is an important verse for chapter for us. Very important. It's all about Christ. Mark 8 verse 35 says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. What does he mean for my sake and the gospels? Well, I want Christ to live through me because Jesus wants to live through me. I want to glorify him and I want people to see who he is because he's so marvelous. And I, want, I don't want one action that I take, one thing that I say, one thing that I do to oppose who Jesus Christ is really like. Amen? That's for Christ's sake. Because I want to give them a picture of who Jesus really is. I want them to see the real Jesus. Not the rock and roll Jesus. Not the beer drinking Jesus. The real Jesus. Amen? That's for my sake. And and for the Gospels. Because I know this is the way that I can help Christ reach people. This is how we're going to reach people. (laughs) By God changing me, by me becoming like him, that's how we're going to make a difference. And so if I'm going to lose my life, it's for two reasons. For Christ alone and for what he has done for me and his glory and that people can see who he is, but also that God can use me to reach souls for him. Amen? That's why I lose my life. Mount Everest... 29,000 feet above sea level. What is the highest mountain we have in Banff? Anybody know? Is it maybe six? 6,000? Is it 10? Okay. Okay. Over double of any highest mountain you see in Banff is Mount Everest. Climbers pursued that goal. They pursue this goal every year because they're passionate about it. They push past the limits. They even feel bad about taking oxygen with them 
because they have this purest attitude that I should be able to make this without oxygen. Now, I would never do that, <laughs> amen? But these guys are insistent. They are pursuing. They are wanting something more than life itself. Over 296 people have died trying to reach that summit. The last year that a single person, that not a single person died trying to reach the top was 1977. That was the last year that someone did not die in that year trying to hit the summit of Everest. That means every year someone is hitting that mountain and is going into eternity because of the pursuit, because of the desire. They're saying that there's some melting going on on the mountain. And what's happening is these climbers that have gone on before are now being revealed. And I watched a documentary and they were showing people walking by and they'd have names. Oh, there's blue shoes. They don't know who it is. They don't know the name, but they know what color shoes they have on. And they just lie there year after year after year after year after year after year because they gave themselves to a goal. (laughs) See, folks, I wouldn't climb a mountain for that price. (laughs) And probably rarely would anybody here do that either. But I do appreciate that heart. I appreciate a heart like that. That when they set that goal, they will fight for it and they'll even give their own life in order to accomplish it. And folks, that's what it's going to take for believers. You're going to have to want to be like Christ so much that you're willing to give up your life. Not just your physical life. In fact, the Lord, probably out of all these people here, probably will not even ask for your physical life, your death. But what he says is this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Not a dead one. He wants us in that book to rip up our old manuscript. And say, Lord, I want you to start writing my life. From now on, my pursuit is your goal. And that is the resurrection of the dead. I want to leave the darkness of my heart. I want you to find every nook and cranny of my thoughts, my mind, my heart. And I want you to possess it. I want your light to shine in it. And I want your life to flow through me. (laughs) See, we ought to have that resurrection before the next resurrection. Wouldn't that be great to meet God and he brought you up and changed your body and you would already come to the point in your life where you said, you know what, I've already decided, Lord, that you were everything I ever wanted. He knows that. And when you meet him, he's going to look at you and you will not be ashamed. You will not be ashamed. 
You understand, You'll, you could give your whole life for Christ and you will not be ashamed when you meet God. But right now, it's hard for us to, to picture of life without all the money and the, the power and the different things and those things that, oh, I really need these things. But folks, one day when you meet Christ, you look at all those things that were so important today and you will be ashamed. You know what the shame means, right? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall not be ashamed. What does that mean? That means if you've trusted in Christ and you put your trust in him for salvation, that when the time comes and you die, you'll find out that what he said was true. And so all this faith you put in what he told you, you're going to stand up and say, hey, it's true. It's great. I love it. I'm so glad that I put my trust in Christ. No shame. Because you're only ashamed when you put your, your, your trust in something that you think has the power to take you through, but it ends up leaving you short. And many Christians, when they meet Christ, they're going to know they put their focus on all these things in the world. All the things that they thought were going to bring them happiness. But the Lord just appearing of his eyes into your soul is going to reveal to you it was all for nothing. And then shame will grip your soul. I put my faith in something because I thought it had the power to take me through. And yet it didn't. But any Christian that put his focus on Christ and pursued him, pursued his life to be seen through them and pursued uh, the perfection of their knowledge and wanted to become like the Lord Jesus Christ and came to church and had their Bible in their lap and said, I want to learn something. And they, they weren't falling asleep in the pulpit. They weren't uh, saying, you know, I want to get home. Or, is, is, is supper burning or not? They, they wanted to be there. Those Christians that took their Bible every morning and just started reading and said, Lord, I just want to learn something. And I know my mind wanders and, Lord, my, I'm so weak, Lord, but please give me something. Those Christians, though they're weak, though they're faint, they pursue. And they keep pressing and pressing. And when church goes, they, they get in their vehicle. And I know it's more gas and I know it's more time and, and I know it's, it's inconvenient. And it's, it'd be so much easier just to stay at home and just relax, you know, because I need to relax. I've worked so hard. I need to relax. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. One day, those statements, well, I just need to relax. You'll be ashamed of it. Because you put your faith in something that didn't deliver. Meanwhile, exchanging it for something that would have delivered. See, that's where shame comes from. So the Bible says that many Christians, when they see Christ, they will become ashamed. They'll hang their head when they finally see him. Folks, after everything I've gone through in life and, and the struggles uh, of my life before I was saved, the sin I had to battle, 
And then what Jesus had to go through to reach this numbskull and how he saved me and the time he put into my life and how he saved me from a life of garbage and how he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. And he says, hey, I got something for you. Just keep following that way. So Lord, where am I going? He says, just do what I tell you to do and it's going to be okay. You'll never know exactly where you end up. If you need to know that, you're not going to go anywhere. Amen. But that kind of Christian that just pursues, pursues, presses, 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 not exchanging the world, not looking for another source of strength, not looking for another direction, not looking for another purpose, but completely sold out. Lord, in my weakness, I know I am not good. I know I fail. But Lord, you've got one thing for me. You've got my heart. You've got my pursuing. I want you, Lord. That's all I want. Oh, if you could give him that. How it would change your life. Oh, if we could just let go of the dirty, rotten sin and turn to Christ, follow him. Oh, what God could do in your family, in your home, in your life, your co-workers, your friends, your extended family, oh, the impact that you could have in your weak body and that vessel of clay that you have and how that treasure could just flow through you and they'd see the life of Christ. They would have a living example of the resurrection through you. The maturing of your soul. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Oh, these men and women, bodies are still up on top of that mountain today. They gave their whole life to pursue. They couldn't attain. They couldn't apprehend. They never reached their mark. But you've got this promise, believer, that if you will choose to pursue, that you will reach the mark. And God will use you And you will have a glorious resurrection one day. And you will be rewarded for it. So it's a very simple message today. Very simple decision. You've got to make a decision. The Apostle Paul evaluated his life. Have you evaluated yours? Have you closed the book on the old man? And have you said, Lord, I want to be in your story? Have you said, Lord, I'm pursuing after you now? See, before you were saved, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he found you if you were saved. He put a lot of effort into finding you. But after you were saved, he looked at you and says, will you now seek for me? That I may know him. I encourage you, Christian, to take this opportunity this morning to talk to God. Let him know your heart. You're not a super Christian. But whatever you have, would you put it at that altar and say, Lord, I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice to you today. I will press toward. 
Help me. Help me as I attain